Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, so lost and found number four. Has this series been helpful to you all so far? It's been a good one. I heard some mm-hmm's, so I'll take it. I'll take it as a good thing. Now, this series has been impactful for me. There have been so many of us this year, last year, that just feel a little lost. Life feels up in the air sometimes when things are so different. We face some tough things this year. And every single one of us goes through battles in life, right? We may call them something else. There's struggles, there issues, their drama, whatever it is, but they're battles. We, we go through battles, battles of the mind, battles of the soul, right? Battles with God, it's like we read about last week, battles with, with family, with sin, with gossip and rumors, with poverty, with abuse, even with good things like fame and money, <laughs> Right, the, the list goes on. We never stop battling from the time that we are born until the time that we die. I know that's a super happy, like I have all these happy announcements for you guys today, don't I? But those battles can often make us feel lost, like, like we don't know which way is up anymore. But I'm starting to understand God doesn't allow us to walk through battles and seasons of feeling lost to teach us these trite little things that we could learn in a Mother Goose story. We don't just learn a moral of the story and we move on about our life, right? He allows us to go through battles in our lives to develop who we are and to discover who he is. To process our character in such a way that these selfish, craving bodies can handle the blessing that he wants to give us without destroying ourselves. He wants to help us process our character. You know, the world wants to tell you, you have to get to know who you are, right? Discover you, you do you. It's really only part of the revelation. It's really only part of what God wants to reveal. In fact, the rest, the overwhelming majority is who he is. It's not just about who we are, but who he is. We, we will have a very hard time discovering exactly who we are without first knowing who he is. Throughout the Old Testament, God's people went through a lot of battles. They lost a lot of battles. But today, we're going to read about a battle that they won. And I want you to know the ending going into this. Spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you the ending of the story before I tell you the beginning. This is one that they won. This is actually a story about how God's people won an impossible battle. And there's some hints in here about how we can win our impossible battles, too. Our story today comes from 2 Chronicles 20. In 2 Chronicles 20, the, the king of Judah at the time of our story was a man named Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. So I'm not the only one who has to say this crazy name this whole service. Jehoshaphat. Overall, Jehoshaphat was a good king. He believed in the Lord. He got rid of most of the idols in the kingdom. He generally followed God with a very few, a couple of exceptions. He was generally a pretty good guy. It's important to know because in general, the favor of Israel 
rose and fell with whether their king served the Lord or not. They saw loss after loss when their king was not obedient, and they saw victory after victory when their king was obedient. Now, in this particular case, some surrounding armies declared war on the nation of Judah. This isn't because God was punishing them, as we'll see. Not all battles are punishments. We learned a little about the depth of what goes into these things last week, right? With the story of Job. It's not always as simple as uh, you mess up and you get punished. Karma, right? What goes up must come down. What you put into the world must come back to you. It's not always quite that simple. In fact, these armies weren't marching against Judah as a punishment at all. So a messenger comes and tells Jehoshaphat, the king, that the armies are close, and he flips out a little bit. We'll see. We'll start, pick up reading in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news, and he begs the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in the land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? But God knows all this, right? Jehoshaphat isn't reminding God what he's done. He's reminding himself what God has done. Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you, save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now, see that the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir See what they are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do. But we're looking to you for help. Josephat is lost. He doesn't know what to do. He sees no way out. Armies are marching against him. Armies that will overtake their army by far. He knows they don't have the manpower to accomplish this. We are powerless to do anything about this. He sees no way out. But he knows a way maker. He knows the God of making a way where there is no way. And so that's who he goes to for help. And maybe that's what this is about. It's that place of surrender, of genuinely not knowing at all what to do, but trusting him anyway. It's that place that God wants us to get to, that place of complete surrender. We have been there, Aaron and I, a number of times over the past decade. With with his health the past couple of years, we got to this place where we we had to decide, God, will we trust you no matter what happens? 
no matter what. We call it even if he doesn't faith from the story of um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, where they went, they were thrown in the fire, and they said, even if God doesn't save us, we will worship him. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to be disobedient. Even if he doesn't faith, it's a tough place to get to. And I say that from experience. Faith is not easily won. <laughs> that place of surrender is a tough place. Even if he doesn't, we're going to trust him anyway. And it's in this place, an, an imperfect king who has made mistakes in the past, he does a few things right here. Few things right. And you already know the end of the story. They win this impossible battle. But I want you to see how today. Because the first thing that he does is he acknowledges the problem. We have a problem. Like I said last week, faith doesn't deny reality. You don't have to say that there's not a problem. Like there's no armies coming. I'm just going to live in a fantasy world and pretend there's no problems in life. You can't acknowledge the problem. You can tell God, look, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't see any way out of this for me. I'm lost and confused and I don't know what to do. But I'm looking to you for help. See, there's a but in that sentence. I don't know what to do, but I'm looking to you. He not only acknowledges the problem, but he also acknowledges his source, his solution. Just like Job from last week, he seems to weep, to mourn what's coming. To, to, as they did in the Old Testament, tear his clothes and sit in the ashes. But he also worships. He let his weeping turn to worshiping. He didn't wallow in it. We don't know what to do, so I guess I'm just going to be overtaken. That's the end of us, I suppose. He didn't run. <laughs> get out, get out of Dodge, right? He sat and he acknowledged the problem and the source. We have to take a position. I think a lot of times in Christianity, we, we, we take a victimhood. Well, the world's just out to get us, right? They're going to throw us in prison no matter what we do. They're going to cancel us no matter what we say. The world's out to get us, so I'm just going to sit here and hide. I'm going to surround myself with only Christians, only Christian things. I'm not going to go around non-Christians that might make fun of me or might tell me I'm wrong or ask questions I don't know the answer to. I'm just going to live in my little Christian bubble and hide from the world. Take a position. You are not a victim. This king, Jehoshaphat, he begged the Lord for guidance and asked everyone to fast. That is taking a position. I know we're talking about war and armies here. This is a spiritual position. In the next passage, the uh, next person actually literally says, take your positions. I love that language. It means they're not going to sit there and do nothing. They're not going to wallow in self-pity going to run away from the problem. They took a position because it felt like that's all they could do. They sat and they acknowledged the problem and the source. They chose to actively seek God. How often do we actually do this in our battles and problems? Or do we go to everyone else and everything else first? When we encounter a problem, we usually go to all the wrong places. We turn to a bottle. We Go to all of our friends that are going to give us the terrible advice, you know? Not the ones who will <laughs> give us the good advice and tell us the truth, but all the ones who are like, 
going to give us the advice we actually want, right? We cry into our pillows. We distract ourselves with a four-day Netflix binge. No, that's just me. Okay. That's all right. It's my method of coping sometimes, escape. We hide it. We, we hope it'll go away, right? If I just hide for a while this, this issue, I, I might not have to deal with it in a couple days. Maybe it'll take care of itself. We ask all the wrong people for advice. We should go to God first. Acknowledge the problem with him first. He should be my first go-to, not my last. And we need these night seasons too, to push us toward God. And we've, we've gone over series in this church in the past, you know, where the blessings aren't necessarily good things. And not all bad things are bad things. The night seasons are meant to pull us toward God. They remind us just how far we've gotten from him in, in our blessings. We get a little spoiled in our blessings, and we don't rely on him like we should. We need the night seasons, too, to, to rest in him, to appreciate the day, to appreciate the blessings. So Jehoshaphat here, he sets the tone. He models the position that they were going to take here. He humbles himself before the Lord, and he asks them to do the same. But the nation had to get behind him on that. So we read on in verse 13. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. This is one of the rarer times in the Old Testament that we see the Holy Spirit come and rest on a person and speak through them. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite. He was a descendant of Asaph. There again, just like last week. Some baby names, guys. Good ones. Mataniah. It's a great one. I'm sure it's available. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens up into the wilderness of Jeruel. Everybody say Jeruel. Again, not going to be the only ones saying these names like a fool. But you will not even need to fight. You will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Take your positions, he said. Take your positions. Even though it's an impossible battle, take your positions. When you feel lost and afraid, that's when you take your positions. Not when things are calm and happy, and seem very possible, and like you can handle it all. You take your positions when you feel lost and afraid. You remind yourself of everything God has done for you in the past. You remind yourself of his promises to you. Remind yourself 
You may not have people in your life that are going to remind you. You may have people in your life that give you the very natural, normal, worldly advice to run. Run away now. Save yourself, right? That's what the, the wise advice seems to be in this situation. You have armies marching against you. Get the people out now. That's not what God told them to do. Remind yourself of what God has done in the past. You serve the way maker. He makes a way where there is no way. Now, this is what the, the power of worship is. That worship, we talk about worship a lot in church. Like it's, it's, We mix the terms a little bit. Praise and thanksgiving, worship, they're all the same thing, right? Actually, worship is something unique. Yes, we praise. We, we thank God for all he has done, right? All he has done for me specifically. Thank you, God, for blessing me. That's thanksgiving. We should do all of those things. But worship is actually a little bit different and unique. It is only about God. Only about him. I used to teach this in kids' ministry all the time, and I said, guys, what, what do you know about God? And they would say, well, God loves us. Absolutely he does, right? But that's praise and thanksgiving. God loves me. It's about me. God is love. That's who he is, and that's worship. God is love. It's, it's not uh, God heals us. Thank you, God, for healing us. Again, good things to say, but worship says God is the healer. You see the slight difference? It actually makes a huge difference when we remind ourselves who he is. Of course, God is the healer, so of course he's going to heal me. God is the deliverer. That's who he is, so of course he's going to deliver us here. We have to remind ourselves who he is. God cannot go against his own character. He's not going to go against his own character. He is who he is. They said, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are so powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Do you hear them talking about who he is? This position that we're meant to take, it's a heart position. It's a heart posture more than a physical one. Yes, they had to go out into the field and fight, but first they had to get their hearts right. They bowed low to the ground. They humbled themselves before the Lord and they worshiped him. I say all the time when I pray before and after worship and, and, and in my own prayer time, I sort of go through this, like you are the provider, you are the healer, you are the comforter, you are the, the everlasting peace, you are, you are the everlasting father. I sort of go through this list. I'm reminding myself, I'm quoting the names of God back to him in my own words. Right, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. That is a name God gave us. He is the provider. Right, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. He's who I follow into battle. I'm not his banner. He doesn't follow me into battle. He doesn't do all the things I want him to do. I follow him, my banner, my flag, my identity. Flags are our identity, aren't they? I follow him into battle. Jehovah Shalom means the Lord sends peace or the Lord sends comfort. He is my comforter. I don't need to take comfort in anything else. When I, I lose my job, he, I, my job, myself, I'm not the provider. He is the provider. He brings comfort. I lose somebody in my life. He is my comfort. Jehovah Shalom. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. 
He is the healer. He is my provider, deliverer, comforter, healer. Right? I'm reminding myself who he is. He is the way, the truth, the life, the light. Reminding myself, Jehovah Ra'ah means the Lord is the way. He is my shepherd. I follow him. When he tells me to rest, I rest. When he tells me to climb, I climb. He, he protects me, guards me. Jehovah Ra'ah, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. These are the names of God. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is our light, ever-present light. These are names he gave us for him. Remind yourself of who he is. When you are lost and afraid and there's armies marching after you, remind yourself of his promises, of who he is, of his past victories, right? They said, oh, our God, did you not drive out those other people and did you not give us this land forever? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They're reminding themselves what God has done in the past. Verse 9 said, whenever we are faced with calamity, such as war and plague and famine, we come to stand in your presence before this very temple where your name is honored. We cry out to you to save us and you hear us and you rescue us. They're reminding themselves They're posturing their heart in humility and worship of the God that is going to get them out of this. They're placing their faith, and they're acknowledging their own limitations. This is another part of taking your position. Acknowledge the problem, acknowledge the source, and acknowledge your own limitations. Look, we are powerful. We're powerless, it says. We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do. But we're looking to you for help. I think as Americans, we have a particular problem with this one. There is a natural inclination in our culture and in who we are. We were strong coming here. We were independent, right? We're still, we've got this independent streak. It's not a bad thing. However, it can get in our way sometimes when we're dealing with God. We can't be completely independent. In fact, we need people in this Christian walk. And we need him. In our brokenness, he is strong. Second Corinthians 2, 12, sorry, 9 says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. This is Paul saying, so now I boast. I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecution, and the trouble that I suffer for Christ. Take pleasure in it. It's a whole nother level of even if he doesn't face. He takes pleasure in it. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Then he is strong through me. Acknowledging our own limitations is a measure of faith with God. God, I know I'm powerless to do anything, but I know you're so much more powerful. You've got this. Our miracles are are never in what we lack or, or what we're afraid of losing. The miracle always happens with what's left. Look at all the miracles throughout the Bible. It's never God... Um, giving to us in our abundance. It's him giving to us in what we lack. The miracle is always in what's left. Jehoshaphat didn't have a big enough army, but he didn't need one. Stop grieving over what you don't have. 
and start focusing on what you do have. And nothing can separate you from the love of your Father. He's going to provide when you posture your heart this way. Surrender is what he's asking. Don't uh, focus on all the things you don't have. Focus on what you do. Job said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Even when he lost everything, he praised the name of the Lord. My favorite quote, maybe my favorite verse right now, comes from Job, and it's a... King James Version, I think, but it says, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. That's a whole nother level of faith. That's the kind of faith I want to get to, that even if he doesn't faith, even if everything falls apart, even if everything fails, I'm going to stay obedient because I trust you. I don't see it today, maybe. There's armies marching against me. I don't see a way out. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. His position was that he was in a pickle. Didn't know the way out. He acknowledged the problem. He acknowledged the source. He acknowledged his own limitations. And he obeyed and he marched. Toward certain death, by the way. <laughs> I mean, as, certain, as certain could be, we're not going to win this. In our own power, we're not going to win this. Unless God shows up, we're not going to win this. He obeyed, and he marched anyway. Verse 20 says, Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped. Can you picture this? It's a small army against what's coming. Right? We're on our way, but on the way, he stopped. He turns around, he says, Listen to me, all you people of Judah. This is his, like, get pumped up message. Okay? Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. This is not a defensive stance. We are not victims. This is an offensive stance. He was marching out literally on his way to go confront an enemy that he, on his own, had no power to conquer. It's not a defensive stance. He took an offensive stance already victorious. Second Corinthians 4 says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. If my situation is that I'm hard-pressed, I'm perplexed, I'm persecuted, I'm struck down. But the revelation is, I'm not crushed. I'm not in despair. I'm not abandoned. I'm not destroyed. That's what I'm choosing to rest in today. I'm, I'm focusing myself on who he is. Just because I feel lost doesn't mean I am lost. That is the position we choose to take. Acknowledge that it's perplexing. Feels a little crushing, but I'm not crushed, right? Take your position. It's a heart position, not a physical position. And verse 21 says, After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. An impossible victory. 
God caused them to fight among themselves. At the very moment, they began to sing and give praise. Something happens in the spiritual realm when we sing and give praise and worship our king. He provides impossible victories. (laughs) But we have to open our mouths and sing them. Even when it feels crushing, perplexing, hard-pressed on every side. Like, we are not going to win. When we are lost and afraid, we sing. Do not be afraid. Up until this point, a lot of this faith posturing, this heart posturing, it had been the king's doing, it had been a prophet's doing. But I don't think the rest of this could have happened without the people. The singing, he couldn't have done alone. His voice alone wouldn't have been enough. Nobody could hear it. But they sang, the group sang, the nation, the army that wasn't enough, they sang. While marching into a battle they could not win. They sang in the face of a mighty army. An army that was eager to destroy them. They sang in the face of of seasoned warriors, hearts set on their death and, and plunder. They sang even though reality did not yet match God's word. Their march could have been a trail of tears and fear, a funeral march to their deaths. But because they trusted the Lord, it was a march of victory. They sang, and God responded. They sang not knowing that the armies were fighting themselves, right? They they sang themselves into the valley of blessing, which it was called later because of their victory. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They made that place a valley of blessing because they sang about the blessing on the way. All week, I've preached this psalm before, and I just couldn't get away from it. I posted it a couple times this week because Psalm 108, let me just read it. Verse 1. My heart is confident in you, O God. No wonder I can sing your praises with all my heart. Wake up, lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among all the nations, for your unfailing love is higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Now, rescue your beloved people. Answer and save us by your power. That's a a victory song, an instructing my heart song, even in the face of danger, in the face of pure destruction. I will wake the dawn with my song. I don't know why as Christians we think that we should never be in the valley of the shadow of death. Right? We should never be afraid that because I'm a Christian, things should be easy. Right? God, where are you? And the Psalms literally say maybe the most powerful, definitely the most popular psalm of all time says, in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In the valley of the shadow of death, I don't yet see the light. In the valley of the shadow of death, it's easy to forget that I am a child of God. It's easy to forget that I am not a victim. In the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm choosing to instruct my heart to sing anyway. That's how we're found, even when we feel lost. Sing in the face of my enemies. 
Sing in the face of my oppressors. Sing in the face of injustice and rumors and abuse and, and insults. I choose to sing. And not only to sing, but to wake the dawn with my song. To sing in my own valley of blessing. To, instead of going to bed at night and down in the dumps and ready to quit life and just hoping it will be better somehow magically in the morning, I'm going to bed tonight saying, I'm going to wake the dawn with my song. My sun sets to rise again. That dawn isn't going to know what hit it. I'm not flailing around in the dark anymore. I have the light within me. I'm not searching out there, fumbling around in the dark. I have the light within me. The word of God is like a lamp under my feet, a light to my path. I know who I am and whose I am. I'm the daughter of a king. Go ahead, enemy. Come at me, bro, because the Lord, if he's for me, right, who can be against me? Try it. I dare you. It's a whole different attitude shift. We are not victims. We get to claim his victory. Verse 23, the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, imagine this. All they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem, with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. But you will not even need to fight. Not even need to fight. How impossible does that word seem yesterday? And today they're in the valley of blessing. Take your positions. Stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. The Lord is with you today. And we sang it this morning. The Lord is here. He's here, right? But he goes with you out the doors. It's not just in these four walls that the Lord is here. The Holy Spirit's presence is here. We now get to carry him with us wherever we go. Zechariah, right? Not by my power, not by my might, I'm going to get this, not by my power, but by his spirit, right? That is where our victory comes. His spirit, not our power. It's not my might. It's going to bring victory. I have to acknowledge my own limitations. It's his spirit. Romans 8 says, if he is for us, who can be against us? The fear of the Lord came over all the surrounding nations. They didn't even have to lift a finger. When I feel lost, afraid, all I have to do is claim his promises. They took their positions. They refused to be afraid. And the Lord was with them. 
this is how we fight our battles. And this should be our response to each and every time we feel lost and afraid. Take your positions, warriors. Do not be afraid. The Lord, your God, is with you. Throughout this series, I have learned that I am found even when I feel lost, that, that I am loved even when I feel unloved, that God's got a plan even when I feel far from it. I am not lost when the storm hits. I am not lost when the enemies are marching against me. I'm not lost when they are plotting my crucifixion. I'm, I'm not even lost in the grave. I cannot be lost unless I choose to put my faith in anything else. Anything else. Anything but Jesus. Religion won't save me. Religion, as in the case of the Pharisees, and we learned about the first two weeks of the series, it's not going to save me. It just makes me blind to my own limitations. I have to humble myself and trust in the Lord and the Lord alone. Jesus is where I anchor my soul. I cannot be lost in the waves because he is there with me. Cannot be lost in the battles because he goes with me. My faith is in Jehovah. I am that I am, he said, Jehovah. Because he left the rest blank like we talked about last week. I am the provider when you need a provider. I am the healer when you need a healer. I am your flag when you need to march into battle. I am Jehovah. I am found in Jehovah's presence. I am found knowing that I am his. I am who he created me to be. I am called to be what he called me to be. I'm following his lead in every possible way. And let that be your focus when you feel lost. Amen. My focus isn't on victory itself for victory's sake. My focus isn't just on survival. It's not just getting through another day, getting through to, to payday, just, just waiting until things get back to normal. It, it, it's not in just existing and muddling through life. I am victorious in him. You are not lost today. You may feel lost today, but you are not lost today. Focus on Jesus. Focus on who he is. Get your eyes back on your Savior. Begin to worship him today. Actually worship him. On the way home today, tell him who he is. Not just what he's done for you, but what he continues to do. Thank him, absolutely, but acknowledge who he is. Remind yourself who the God is that you serve. Let praises pour out of your mouth every morning before you even get out of bed. Wake the dawn with your song. God, today, we humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you. Take a deep breath in your presence. We can rest in your presence knowing that you are God. There's nothing else on planet earth that can save me. Nothing else on planet earth that can cause me to be found. You sent your son to die for me. 
You sent your son so I can be in relationship with Jehovah God. Nothing else could have gotten me there. Nothing else could have broken the barriers that I put up between myself and God, but Jesus. You are our flag. Our peace passes all understanding. Our everlasting Father. Our hope. We anchor our souls in you. I thank you for victory today. Thank you for victory, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed today. Maybe you would say, I've never had a relationship with Jesus. Sort of wandered in here today, not knowing what I was getting myself into. Or or maybe it's just been a really long time since I focused on Jehovah God. Since I realized who he can be in my life if I just let him. You are not lost today. I believe if you're in here for the first time or the first time in a long time, it's because the Holy Spirit called you back today. The Holy Spirit is here speaking to your hearts and minds, pulling you back to him. You're not lost. You are found in his presence. There is nowhere that you can go, nothing you can do, that Jesus cannot find you. He loves you right where you are. No matter what you've done, no matter your past, he loves you and he wants to call you home. Back into obedience, back into blessing, back into victory and who he is. Today, maybe you're saying, I want that relationship with Jesus again. To let today be your spiritual birthday, the day that you cross from death spiritually into life, the day that you cross from being lost and afraid into being found. That's you today saying, I want to be found. I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want a relationship with my heavenly father. Would you just raise your hand if you're here in the room? I want that today. I'm in to following Jesus. I'm in to being obedient to him. I'm in for forgiveness and love. Thank you. Keep those hands raised for just a moment until an usher gives you a little card, a little information about that decision. If you're watching online today, type I'm in in the comments. Text the number on the screen. We'd love to help you with that decision. Maybe today, you can put those down, thank you. Maybe today, you're just saying, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I've forgotten for a little while that I am not a victim. My soul has been in despair. I've been desperate. I've been looking in all the wrong places for my hope. Today is the day that God is calling you back, back into victory back into hope, back into joy, unspeakable peace that passes all understanding, that you can walk on the waves and not be drowned by them. Victory can be yours today. It's a mindset. It's a heart posture. It's a soul shift. Acknowledge who he is. Acknowledge your own limitations. Set your eyes back on him. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. Father, 
pray today for all the hands raised that you would make your presence more known in their lives than ever. They would walk out of here feeling a wash of love like they've never felt before. A wash of boldness and hope that your Holy Spirit would come over them, would, would baptize them with fire, with power, with boldness. That they would be able to go into this world victorious for you. Face their problems, their battles with victory. Praising your name along the way. That just worship would flow out of their lips on their way home today. They would leave with a smile on their face, with their head held high, their shoulders squared. It would give them the dignity of being victorious back in their life. We call it into being. God, thank you for calling us to be the vibrant, passionate, selfless church you've called us to be. Help us reach the world with the message of the gospel. Anoint us with your Holy Spirit, with the gifts and passions and talents that come with that. Help us reach this world. Help us minister to a lost, broken, desperate world. We are the light. As we carry you with us, we are the light that goes into this world. We are the hope. God, help us minister. Help us be victorious. Thank you for calling us found. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.